0: You're listening to the Contagious Confidence Podcast, and I'm your host, Katie Hawks. Confidence is a journey, and I'm here to remind you that you're not alone. Every Tuesday, I'm bringing you episodes that will inspire, encourage, and challenge you. Are you ready? Do you own a business or want to own one someday, but you can't get out of your own way? Well, I am so glad that you tuned into this episode. And even if you don't want to own your own business, I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode too. Because not only do we dive into what might be holding your business back, we also kind of dive into what might be holding you back. I am so excited to introduce you to my guest, Lauren Goldstein. Lauren is the founder and CEO of the award winning and globally recognized boutique business consulting firm Golden Key Partnership. Her clients lovingly call her the biz doctor because her superpower is helping highly specialized, seven figure service based entrepreneurs uncover what is keeping them stuck in the trenches of their business. As a trusted advisor to some of the fastest growing businesses and Fortune 500 companies like Apple, Nike, and AT&T for more than 12 years, Lauren's greatest asset is helping business owners successfully transition through the gap of business operator to true business owner, from chief everything officer to powerful and effective CEO and leader. Lauren is also passionate about the mental health of entrepreneurs. It's her goal to create a space for her clients to have more fun, play, and do good in the community while helping them have a business that can sustainably grow without feeling like it is all on them. So when they decide to take their much deserved vacation, their business runs without them having to worry. Lauren is also the host of the Biz Doctor podcast. I have so loved listening to Lauren's podcast since we connected and literally I could talk to her all day long. She was so much fun to talk to. She has so many good nuggets of wisdom. We talk about books that we both read and the takeaways that we've had from them. And we also talk about her business and her experience working with business owners and how she's really helped them create the life, and the business that they've dreamed of. It was truly an honor to speak to Lauren, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. So let's get into it. Welcome back to the Contagious Confidence Podcast. I'm so excited about my interview today with Lauren. Um, I... I've been looking forward to this. We're talking about a really interesting topic and I think it's going to bring a lot of value to everyone. So Lauren, I would love to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to my listeners.
1: Thank you so much, Katie, for having me on the show. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm Lauren Goldstein, founder and CEO of Golden Key Partnership and fondly called the Biz Doctor by my clients. I work as a fractional COO as well as business advisor to some of the fastest growing service-based businesses out there. So I'm excited to dive in. Um, I've heard of
0: fractional COOs, but can you let people know for who don't know what a fractional CEO is?
1: Oh, that is way to kick us off with a very loaded question. So (laughs) COO is, um, is actually one of the most impactful and also convoluted roles there is out there. I think there's actually a Harvard uh, Business Review posted a research project about this title COO. And I think they 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 uncovered there's eight types of COOs. But to put it in very simple terms, I am the conductor of the business. So what that means is making sure that all the moving parts and pieces are moving together and you don't have one part going this direction, another part going this direction, and um, my specialty as COO is in operations and teams. So there are COOs that come with sales or marketing backgrounds, minus specifically in operations and teams. So what that means is making sure you have the right resources in team to scale your business effectively and back that up with the right operations and systems so you can be more profitable.
0: Love that. And uh, as a fractional COO, you do that for multiple companies, or I
1: i yes, over the years I've done it for multiple companies but I only work with two companies at a time because it is um, a lot. it is a lot. It's not full time that's why I'm fractional but there are a lot of moving parts no pun intended. Um so I like to to be able to have breathing room to make sure I'm I'm helping everybody as best I can.
0: Love it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I've heard it in that about like fractional CMOs and CEOs and it's like it's a very interesting background. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you shared a little bit about that. Um, But today we're talking about the topic of, are you blocking your business growth and success? Um, Because a lot of CEOs are the bottleneck of their business. And we're going to talk about how to get out of your own way Mm -hmm. and help scale scale more quickly and sustainable your business without the burnout. So I think this is going to be like a very juicy topic and I am looking forward to diving into it. Uh, So my first question for you
1: is how do you define success? Oh, wow. You are coming in hot (laughs) with all great questions. How do I define success? So I think For me, if you're asking me personally, I would say it's having the space and time to have a fulfilled life and do the things that are really important to me outside of business. So whether that's um, connecting with my friends and family, being more present, giving to causes that I'm passionate about. To me, success is is about creating freedom to live a really well-rounded, fulfilling life um, that's full of all the good things and happiness. And obviously, there's things that you can't control and sometimes not great things happen. But for me, it's it's really about how can I have the biggest impact and have the best darn time with the time that I have.
0: I love that. That's I would say I define success similarly. I think it's from person to person what they believe success is. So when we're talking about um, blocking success for someone's business, I think it's important to know that like success is defined in multiple different ways for different people. So I'm glad that you shared that. I love that. And I totally align with that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so I was listening to your podcast and one thing that you shared was that you help entrepreneurs find true entrepreneurial freedom. So I would love for you to go into what that means and why you're so passionate about it and how people can achieve
1: that. Oh, yes. So this is honestly one of my favorite topics to talk about. So for me, true entrepreneurial freedom is about having a business that's working for you instead of you working for your business. Because most often, and actually I did a podcast about this. Do you have a business or do you have a job? Because we started a business to make an impact, to solve a problem. And then all of a sudden we're on this hamster wheel of 24 seven. We're having trouble unplugging. It's becoming this thing that we're a slave to and it's running us instead of us running it. And so to go back to what I view a success for true entrepreneurial freedom, and this is really one of the biggest goals that I have with my clients when I work with them, is getting them out from underneath their business so where they can leverage the business to provide the lifestyle that they want, that's giving them the vehicle to make an impact with their clients and their life and and use their unique skill set and also not having them stay so stuck in the day to day, but having it run autonomously, self sufficiently, and having a team that really gets it and runs with it so that you can, if you want to just focus on a few things in the business, you can, or if you want to have that. Running that well running business and then start another business or have a new hobby or take a month and go to visit all the Christmas markets in Europe in the month of December, you have that flexibility. So, true entrepreneurial freedom is about having your business be a vehicle that you can really drive towards the impact and revenue and fulfillment that you want. And I will say the caveat of your business cannot be. Your everything, just like your partner, your spouse can't be your everything. If you're trying to get, you know, feelings of success and fulfillment and happiness and all the things from your business, that's gonna be really hard on your business and your team. So make sure that you're looking elsewhere to get fulfillment and um impact and all those things.
0: I that's something I think so many people want for so many different reasons, but I feel like A lot of people feel like they can not achieve that. I think that Mm -hmm. a lot of people do put their value in their business and it becomes their everything and they can't get out from underneath it and they can't grow it because they've created these systems and these teams that aren't supporting their goal of true entrepreneurial freedom. It's like at that point, you're living to work rather than working to live. So. (laughs) um yeah yeah so how how can we like speaking from someone that is works for full-time for a company I myself work full-time for a company I have my podcast I would call my podcast a business but I um it's hard for me to focus on the podcast because my full-time job demands so much of me Mm -hmm. so but in the way that the company is set up, I do feel kind of like I have a entrepreneurial entrepreneurial type. Mm-hmm. Mindset. Like I can spend my time how I want to and focus on things. And what like how can someone achieve true entrepreneurial freedom if they've gotten so far off that path? Like how can they like redirect back on the path to true entrepreneurial freedom? Mm.
1: Yeah, that's a fun one. I'm going to I'm going to tell you a story and it's going to illustrate why I'm so passionate about this because for me entrepreneurs, small business owners, we really move the world forward because we're the innovators, we're the creators, we're the we're the people that challenge the status quo. And with that comes a pretty heavy burden to our mental health if we're not careful. And so when I look at you know, being in too deep and feeling like you're just not sure how you're going to get out. It's, it sometimes hits you like a freight train if you're not paying attention. So if I think back to my personal business, the moment when I almost burned it all to the ground, it was 2018. We were growing rapidly, having record breaking months. And I was, the most unhappy, burnt out, stressed out, like crying at my desk business owner, because I'd said yes to too many things. And then, and then I had this huge burden of feeling like I was letting people down. I was letting myself down. I couldn't keep up. Like I was drowning. And so to answer your question, I think the best thing you can do if you feel like you're in too deep is take a step back. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but It happened for me because I remember on this Friday afternoon when I was thinking all of these things about like, what if I just, you know, shut down my business and finish out these clients, shut down my business, all the things. And I was sitting there crying and I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm done. And I just shut my computer. I said, I'm done for the day. I like turned off all of my electronics. And for the entire day of Saturday, all I did was I slept in, I read my favorite book. I watched some TV while I was doing dishes and cleaning the house because I'm weird like that and get like warm, fuzzy feelings from organizing. And the strangest thing happened. I woke up on Sunday and it was like, I was a whole different Lauren. I was like, Oh, I do like my business. I do like my clients. The world's not ending. And so by taking a step back and more importantly, recharging my own battery, I was able to have a different perspective. And through that different perspective, I realized that I could delegate different things to my team more. I could say, no, I could take Saturdays. And honestly, this is something that I've done ever since this moment in time. Saturday is like my sacred day. I only do things that fill me up, whether that's, um, having like a luxurious sleep in or going and perusing shops with my friend on South Congress here in Austin or going on a little day trip or maybe not even talking to another single human being. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But ever since then, that's really been the turning point for me feeling like I can get out from underneath it because it's, it's really taking a step back and making a decision that you want to Because I think to your point from a couple of minutes ago, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with giving things up. I'm using air quotes or taking things off their plate because they haven't been able to associate their value with expertise and um, the time that you've been doing it versus actually doing the work. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes total sense because I... I think it comes down to trust as well. Like not being able to trust anyone to do what needs to be done. Cause you're afraid that they won't do it. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, they won't do it your way or your way. Yeah. But yeah, uh-huh. like being terrified, like, oh, well they're not going to do it the way that I would do it. So I have to jump in and do it. Yeah. Yep. And like, I think it comes down to control too, is like having that control over everything and feeling like you have to control Mm-hmm. everything. I think that can really put you in a difficult spot as well. is like having to control every single little thing. Yeah. It, yeah, that can, that can really affect your mental health for sure. And you don't even realize you're doing it until you hit that point. Like you said, where you were like, I'm done. And you spent mm-hmm. all of Saturday, like recharging. Yeah. So, and I, a lot of us hit burnout. That's like, we get to a point where we're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm so done. And allowing ourselves the time to like, take a break or take a step back and like recharge ourselves is so important, but no, like very few people are self-aware enough to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. it, it, it Like there's that turning point. So like how you realized at that moment that you had to change something. You had to like Mm -hmm. do something for yourself, take a step back. Like, how can we not get to that point? Like, like you said, Saturdays are your day, but I'm sure that was hard to do. And that was, boundary.
1: yes, that was very hard to do. And it's, it's funny. It's almost like you have to get dissatisfied enough to do something different. And, um, When I, when I look at that path and I think the path that so many people are on marching towards burnout, I think there's, there's a mindset shift that has to happen. That's the first and foremost, because I think that, especially when you're a newer business owner or you're building your business, there's this fear that if you say no to a client, especially in this crazy digital age, that, they're going to leave you a bad review or you're never going to get another client or all the all the what ifs versus the story that i tell my clients when they're having analysis paralysis or decision fatigue is if you want to ride the orient express and you're standing on the platform in europe and you're like you know it's supposed to be here but it's not here yet i'm getting really anxious so i'm just going to hop on this milk train And see if I can go find it. And so as soon as you hop on this other train, the Orient Express passes that train in the station and you're like, dang it, I just missed it. And I think that that's what sometimes happens when we have this little gut feeling that says, don't take this client, but we're afraid not to. And then what happens, I mean, everything happens for a reason. It's all happening for us, but it just delays what could be coming to you because you've, you've. Like closed capacity versus if you'd maybe waited another day or trusted, then maybe something even better would come along, or maybe that something's still going to come along. It's just a little waylaid. And so, some things that I do to make sure that I never get to that point again is I intentionally block out my week. So this is something that's been really, really helpful for me, and I've I've talked about it on our podcast. But daily themes. So Monday is my meeting Monday. It's essentially when I meet with my team. If I'm fractional COO, that's when a lot of our meetings will be. And then Tuesday, Thursdays are client days. That's days when I have consultations. That's when I'll do our diagnostic deep dives um, or our team diagnostic. And then Wednesday, this is my favorite day besides Saturday is Wednesday's my admin day. So that's the day that I specifically set aside to work on the business instead of in the business. So nobody can get on my calendar. I'm not doing anything that isn't actually moving the business forward. And so I'll do things like podcast interviews or, um, you know, marketing things or follow-ups and things like that. So working on the business, on the strategy and then Fridays, you know, I, I call it freedom Friday, but it's also financial Friday. So some days, you know, I'm wrapping things up. Sometimes it's Flexi Friday where I I get to schedule a diagnostic on that day because we needed to just slot someone in. Sometimes I'm traveling, but it's the day that I really take stock and wrap up the week. Uh, and that cadence has really created a lot of uh, freedom and flexibility for me because it's interesting, especially for women we need structure to be able to flow. And so by structuring my week, it's actually created more, uh, fl- fluidity because I know what's expected. And then within those days, I don't book myself more than 50% because I always want to have the white space. And so I remember, gosh, it was probably a year, a year ago. Uh, I had a client who, um, came to me because she'd made some, some really not great hires in the past and she was a little gun shy and she really needed help. So we did a team diagnostic and I gave her some homework that quite frankly, she said, scared the crap out of her. I said, I want you to clear your entire calendar next week, whatever's on the calendar. I want you to clear it off because you don't have enough space in your calendar right now to actually move things forward, grow your business, get creative, et cetera, et cetera. So she cleared her calendar, reported back. She's like, that was the best week ever. I was so happy, fulfilled, et cetera. And I think she made, I don't know, something absurd, like $20,000 of things that just had finally precipitated because she had had this space. So there was a very long answer to how do you not get to that point of burnout? You have to be very intentional with how you structure your day. And your week and creating the space, because I think we get so into a rut or a habit of just going through the motions every single day that we're not intentional about our day. And I actually posted a, a reel yesterday um, that said if you did the same things to, that you did today for 365 more days, would you be where you want to be by this time next year? And I think it's, it's such a, like a shot to the, to the heart, like shots fired. But the truth is that if you're not intentionally building your day, then it's going to run you instead of the other way around.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's such a great point. And I love that reel that you created about, like, if you are doing the same thing for 365 days, would you be where you want to be? And I think mm-hmm. for a lot of us, that answer would be no. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Because I feel like it's – we can get really excited about these new systems and, like, doing things differently. But I think a lot of us don't build them to be sustainable. Mm. They'll go great for, like, two or three weeks, and then it's just back to the way it was. So how can we create, like, sustainable – habits and systems and structures around our day to not let us get back into that old pattern.
1: I feel like this is the age old question. Um, So it goes back to psychology. So um, for those of you listening, I'm not sure I actually talk about this in my bio, but my degree is in cognitive neuroscience. So the, the mind and the brain are my playground and it's, it's, very valuable, have this background, given the work that I do with CEOs and business owners and getting them out from underneath their business. Cause it's, it's that mindset shift. And so when it comes to systems and scaling and sustainability and creating new habits, I think the most important thing is the, the very important quote of Rome wasn't built in a day. And So when you think about that, having the grace of understanding that it's probably going to take a little more time than you think it is to get the habit ingrained, I think it actually is 90 days that it takes to get something to truly become a habit. And then the other thing that is really important to remember, I think, and it's uh, from the book, The One Thing, is so much of what we're creating is not actually getting to the root of what the problem is. And that's why they call me the biz doctor because we actually get to the root of what's creating the friction or dysfunction in the business or the team or the CEO. And so if you don't sit down and actually think about what's taking your most taking the most amount of your time or breaking or causing friction or whatnot and drill down to the lowest common denominator, then you're just going to start duct taping things at the surface level. And so for sustainable goals, systems, operations, you really got to get as simple as possible because as your business grows, it should get more simple. It should not get more complicated. And so if you find yourself doing the same thing over and over and over again or having the same conversation, see if you can automate it, see if you can systematize it, delegate it, et cetera. And then the other thing I want to say is, I think we have a propensity to have this all or nothing view where we either got to like change everything or change nothing. When in reality, to go back to the one thing, the actual question I'm paraphrasing here is what is the one thing I could do so that everything else is either reduced or unnecessary. When we think about our business and our life in that way, then it makes that habit building easier. So don't try and change your sleep schedule and your gym schedule and your diet and your business model all in the same week. Pick one, pick one that you think is going to make the biggest difference. For me, I'll just be very transparent. I'm a night owl. And so, you know, sometimes I'm going to bed at one, two, and then, you know, waking up around eight, eight 30 ish. And it's not always supportive and so what I've I've been really consciously working on is going to bed a little bit earlier and also waking up a little bit earlier so I can maximize my day. And trust me, there are days that it's just like, it's not gonna happen, but that's okay. It's a, it's a habit where I just gotta keep doing it and also knowing that I'm not perfect, we're not perfect. And so if I decide not to get up at 7 a.m. anymore, which I know some of you listening are like, what, she sleeps until seven? Um, Then that's okay. We'll do the best we can for each day because that's what's important. Do the best you can every day because some days you're going to be sick or like the kid's going to get sick or you're going to get stuck in traffic and you just got to do the best you can for that day and then keep moving forward.
0: Oh, I really love that advice. And I like. I really want (laughs) to... Read the one thing now, because um, they when book. you when you were talking about um, creating habits and that sort of thing, I was thinking about Atomic Habits, mm-hmm. which is a book I've read. And they're talking, um, he talks about like changing one percent each day, because mm-hmm. the one percent can have an impact. It might not feel like it's a big change, but it's like a slight change that's going to lead to any even bigger change and to not let things like it's okay. If you have days where you're not doing that habit, like I think of my husband missing, taking his vitamins every day. Mm-hmm. So I told him, I was like, it's okay that you didn't take them today, but don't let it happen tomorrow. Cause if it happens tomorrow, it'll happen the next day. So it's like, mm-hmm. it can happen one day, but it's like, don't let it continue to happen. Cause that's when you're going to get out of the habit. So yep. like, and I think that's true for a lot of people. Like I, I was really good at working out for like five years, like work, getting up, working out every single mm-hmm. <laughs> morning at like 6 a.m., 7 a.m. And I've had to like change some of those times, but then I got pregnant and I don't have the energy to work out and I have to, had to be okay with not getting my movement in, in the mornings because I want to sleep in. I need my sleep. Mm-hmm and then trying to figure out other ways to incorporate movement into my day that make more sense for me now. So, and that's been tough. I'm having a hard time creating a habit there because I never know how I'm going to (laughs) feel. So
1: (laughs) it's actually, it's really interesting. So you touched on two things that I want to expand on really quick. One, I don't know if you know this, but the, the theory that you're talking about is called Uh, the slight edge. And it's essentially the reason why a penny doubled every day will give you millions of dollars. So that 1%, if it's the right 1%, or I'm not going to say, right. I'm going to say the most supportive 1% towards your vision. It will hockey stick. All of a sudden it'll look like you're not making any progress. And then all of a sudden it'll take off. The same is true. If you're doing unsupportive things, like let's say, you know, you're not making those sales calls or not doing the social media reels, or you're eating not healthy or not sleeping, then all of a sudden it's, it's, you're like, it's fine. It's not having an impact. And then all of a sudden it'll just fall off a cliff. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then Mel Robbins, I don't know if you've ever heard of Mel Robbins, but she will say, and it's actually right next to me. It says fact, you are never going to feel like it. And I think so often we let our feelings dictate whether we're committed to our vision or not. Mm. And so like my desktop that I'm staring at right now says, are you more committed to your future vision or being uncomfortably comfortable? And I think that's the question that we have to ask every day is, are we more committed to the vision we have for our business, for our bodies, for our relationships, for our life, et cetera? Or are we more committed to feeling this comfortable, I'm using air quotes again, comfortableness that we're feeling? Because we know that we're not really living the life that we want, but it's uncomfortably comfortable.
0: Oh, that's so good one. I love Mel Robbins so much. (laughs) I think she's the best. I just like every time she puts something out, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, is she in my head? And then (laughs) yeah. But then, yeah, like you're saying, like, are we committed to the vision Mm -hmm. or are we committed to being uncomfortable knowing that we're not like going towards a vision, but we're just being pretty much complacent in where we're at and not making steps towards that greater vision? Because I think it impacts all of our life. Like you said, like our relationships, our like health, all of that, not just our business. And... Why do you think that so many people, especially women, get in the way of their businesses' growth? Like, what have you seen when you work with companies?
1: Uh, So many things. Also, sidebar, Mel Robbins has a book called The Five Second Rule. Amazing book. It's essentially the premise is the moment, again, it's next to my desk. So the moment you have an instinct... To act on a goal, you must five, four, three, two, one, and physically move. Otherwise, your mind will stop you, which is so interesting. So the thing that I see get in the way of most women being successful in their businesses and their careers and even their lives is two, maybe three things. The first is worthiness. So feeling like you're not worthy of having the things that you want. Second, um, I'm speaking specifically for my generation as an elder millennial, but we were told at least in my family that women were seen, not heard. So there's breaking that stereotype of, you know, we're not bossy or being a, a biatch, you know, we're being a leader. Maybe we could be more effective communicator, but we're leading. And so breaking through that stereotype and then the third one is going to sound a little woo. So don't lose, don't lose me. But I think we've created this culture of hustle, which works really well for men because they're meant to hustle like that. I mean, they're not, nobody I think is meant to hustle like Gary Vee. Don't get me started on that, but, um, in terms of why it stops working for women is we're meant to receive like the, the masculine is that structure, like that structure of the week that I talked about. But a lot of that is, is flowing in and out and, and putting out, you know, doing the things and, and allowing things to come to you instead of chasing after. And so I think that there's this, sense of forcing and control and rigidity that goes very counter to how we actually operate in life. And I think that for better, for worse shoots us in the foot because we're not actually operating in our natural flow. And a lot of that comes down to, you just don't know yourself well enough because you've believed what other people have said about you. Um, and so there's actually a tool that that we use with our clients called Wealth Dynamics, and it actually is eight different profiles for teams and for business owners, entrepreneurs, that shares your unique talents and your easiest way to creating a business that works for you. And there's so many different types. There's you know types that are really creative and are you know create the products, and there's types that are very people focused and are good marketers and networkers and. Then there's people who are more about timing and fulfillment and project management. And then there's people that are more about the how and the systems and the automation and all the backend stuff. And if you don't know yourself well enough, you could think that, you know, this is something that you're really good at, or maybe you are good at it, but it might not be your actual natural flow. And so you're going counter to what would enable you to work smarter and not harder. And then the other thing I'm going to say that just popped into my mind is I don't think, I think you can have it all. You just can't do it all. And I think that women, we are such givers and supporters that we really suck at boundaries sometimes. And we, get to get better at saying no, period, not no, I'm sorry, I'd love to do this, but I can't because you know, the kids got to go to soccer or whatever it is. We get to say, no, thank you. Or, you know, whatever your version of no is to have that boundary and recognize that you can have a thriving business and a thriving marriage and be a good parent and travel the world you just can't do all of those things. You might need a housekeeper, which I love, like, come on. <laughs> Even though I love cleaning, it's very helpful. Or you might need to enroll your partner in helping pick up the kids after school so that you can have that business meeting. It's about the give and take and exchange of energy and realizing that nobody, and I mean, nobody can actually multitask. So getting clear on your vision and clear on what the non-negotiables are that you get to do versus the things that you can outsource, if you will.
0: Well, so many things you just said I want to talk about. That was <laughs> excellent. Like that spoke to me. I think people can't see us, but I don't know if you saw me when you said worthiness and I literally was like, I just crumbled in my yep. hands because that's true. Like my entire, my word for the year last year was worthiness. And I was exploring Mm -hmm. what being worthy meant to me and what I was putting my worth in. And it was like such a crazy year, like a crash course in worthiness. And I feel Mm -hmm. much more sure of myself. I just still have my moments, but it's like, I know what my worthiness is. I've explored that. I understand that. I know myself and I don't allow things to come in that make me question that. Mm. So I love that you touched on that. Also, I agree. No one should hustle like Gary Vee, but he is just like, <laughs> for those of you that you don't know, you've probably seen his stuff. You've probably seen his videos. He's just like all over the place and absolutely killing it. But
1: it's yeah. just like,
0: how does he do it all? But he's like in every video.
1: <laughs> I don't see. That's the thing. So I I mean, I know this is going out into the interwebs, but I know people that know him and I'm, I'm not convinced that the person you see in public is the person that exists in private. And I don't think he does at all. I think he's got a really great team, Yeah, but I also, I don't know, this is going to be controversial, but he might be killing it. I don't know. I haven't seen his books, but like that kind of killing it, I think will kill you faster than it will help you. And I think there's so much vanity metrics about like a million dollar business or a million dollar launch. I'm sorry, like I would rather have, you know, a half a million business, a half a million dollar business that makes like $400,000 in profit than a $2 million business that made $100,000 in profit. Like there's different ways to to get there. You just got to find the one that fits for you and know that it's going to look different. and That's okay. Mm-hmm. Like the only person you're competing with is yourself. And the only business you're competing with is the business of yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And I think there's so much comparison that goes into that too. Like you're, I've heard like the audio clip, like it's me against me. Mm-hmm. Or it's me against me yesterday or something like that but it's so hard to like put your blinders on it's like like, like gary v is a great example like we don't know what he's like behind closed doors on the outside it looks like he's absolutely like he's got so many things going on and like he creates all this content we know pe- he has people creating the content for him and he just mm-hmm. is there he says what he says but it's like yeah. he's he's surrounded himself with a team that makes him look like he's killing it whether he is or not. So it's just like, we can't compare ourselves to the like people like that, things like that. We can only compare ourselves to ourselves yesterday. And I think it's so hard to remind ourselves of that. Cause we always feel like we're competing against mm. other entrepreneurs, like any sort of like business that is within our industry. We always feel like we're competing. Yep. So Think that's important to touch on because that's like that can quite have you question your worthiness too. And mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. do, I do agree with you about like women sucking at boundaries because I am a hundred percent an example of that. Yeah, but I did see something really neat this week. I think it was the Olsen twins, mm. uh, it was like a clip. I was on TikTok or something, and <laughs> they said, No is a complete sentence. Yeah. But like, why, like, why do we think it's not, why do we, my husband tells me all the time, he's like, you don't have to give me an excuse. You don't have to justify your decision, but I mm -hmm. feel the need to do that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So I know it's crazy. And I, one of my, one of my favorite quotes, somebody told me many, many years ago is don't compare your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. Cause I remember. Seeing somebody talking about comparison, seeing somebody who had a business that was very new, all of a sudden she was in this magazine as like the top business to watch. And I'm like, I know what's going on behind the scenes. What the heck? Like, how did you get in the magazine? And I've had this business for eight years. And we're doing really well. and I'm not in the magazine. And then I realized that so many of those awards and magazines and et cetera are pay to play where you can just pay a certain amount of money and then you get in them. And it like literally broke my brain because here I was thinking that I was somehow sucking or failing because she got in a magazine and I didn't. And then I realized that it's all perception. And I just, it, I mean, don't get me started on the TikTok filters and all the things that make beauty so unattainable. Um, It's just... It's a wild, wild world where you just get to remember that you're worthy just because you exist. You don't need to do anything. And when you say no, own it. Because here's here's what I had to remind myself. I can say no once and then change my mind. I can also say yes and then change my mind. It doesn't make me a flip-flopper. It doesn't mean I don't have integrity. It means that I said yes or no in a moment of time and then changed how I was feeling later. There's actually another great book called thinking and bets by Annie Duke. And she talks about how so often as human beings, we paral- paralyze ourselves in decision-making because we, we fall victim to this thing called resulting, which is where we, make a decision right or wrong based on the result. And the example she gave, which was really interesting is, I I think it was the Seahawks versus Patriots Super Bowl game several years ago. And the coach made a call that in like they were on the five yard line, needed a touchdown to win the Seahawks did. And he made a call to pass the ball instead of run the ball. And the ball got intercepted. And they lost the Super Bowl and the headlines the next day were like worst call in, in football coaching history. He should be fired, like all the things. And he said in an interview, you know, why was it such a bad call? And he said, it wasn't a bad call. It was a bad result. And I think that when we look at our decisions, like we make the best decision with the information we have and the time that we have. And the result, comes down a lot of times to luck, which is not in our control. So if we look at our decisions as right or wrong, then we're more likely to get stuck not making a decision and just in this eddy of indecision. Um, because the other part of this is hindsight bias. Because hindsight's twenty twenty. we can always see how we would choose after we know the result. And so when you put those together, then you create this, self-fulfilling prophecy of beating yourself up over your decisions when in reality you made the best decision you could maybe it didn't play out the way you wanted but the hindsight bias and the decision and the resulting shouldn't make you question whether you're a good decision maker it's a fascinating book she's a professional poker player and so she relates all of this back to poker and how life is more like poker than it is about chess and i'm a chess player so i that Blew my mind, but super great book. Got us off on a little tangent there.
0: (laughs) Love the tangent though. I feel like it really relates to our conversation. And I think those are some nuggets that people can take away from this to implement in their own life and be aware that that could be happening because Mm -hmm. yeah, we beat ourselves up about not making the right decision. And we're Mm -hmm. always like, we have so much fear around like making the wrong decision that we decide not to make a decision at all. Yeah. Like it's pushing through that fear. I feel like in my journey with confidence that has really like been pushing through the fear, pushing through the uncomfortability and realizing what's for
1: me and what's not for me. Mm -hmm. And also remembering that everyone was a beginner. Like Albert Einstein at one point was a beginner, Thomas Edison, Elon Musk, you know Sarah Blakely, like they all at the beginning didn't know what the heck they were doing. And I think it's really funny how imposter syndrome, which is something I didn't talk about, but that's also probably something that holds us women back. I know it's held me back for a long time. The people who have imposter syndrome are actually the most qualified because the people who don't have it are just the people that are like, nope. Like they it's it's really a funny paradox because the people with imposter syndrome generally know there's so much left to learn, which is why they feel like an imposter versus those like arrogant people who are just like, no, I know everything. And they just, they blindly have this confidence, which sometimes I'm like, I I would love a draft of that. Um, so I think it's just remembering that every day we're learning and, there's always going to be somebody smarter than you. There's always going to be somebody who loves less than you or more successful or less successful. And it's just about, are we doing better today than we did yesterday?
0: 100%. I think that's like really what this conversation is about. Like whether or not you own a business, whether or not you're a CEO, like you're the CEO of your life. Mm-hmm. And it really comes down to like how you make the decisions and how you operate. I think I think that's what I'm taking away from this conversation because it's hard. Like when I was creating questions, I was trying to relate to like owning a business and trying to create questions that would be valuable for people that own a business at the same time. Also thinking about those that don't or want to, but don't really know how to go about it. So I think like our conversation has kind of come full circle in a way it's like, these are things, yes, you can implement in your business, but it really starts with your life and how you operate in your life and make the decisions for yourself and draw up those boundaries, like get really good at doing it in your personal life and then it's going to
1: infiltrate everywhere else. So 100%. I like yeah. to say business, business is just personal development with a paycheck.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so since we have talked a little bit about confidence. I would love, um, to talk about like how getting out of our own way can help us with our confidence. I think we've talked about a lot of things that can help us get out of our own way, but how does that help us with our confidence?
1: So when I think this is maybe the only time I will agree with Gary B. So he says, And it's probably honestly not attributed to Gary Vee, but he just he's sticking in my mind as the person who said it. Fail uh, frequently and fail fast, because I think that sometimes as women we see this view of um, failure as you know completely debilitating, versus you know I also call it launch and learn. Just take whatever you're doing and do it and get in, get in the habit of failing every day so that you get more comfortable with it. And when you're not failing, then that will become uncomfortable. And so you'll know some things off. And I actually, I did a podcast interview, um, with Hillary Weiss, and we talked all about imposter syndrome and getting out of your own way. And we did another I did another one with Whitney Alexander about turning your inner critic into your inner champion. And so if you want to pop over to the Biz Doctor and listen to those two episodes, we dive way more into this because I don't know if we can <laughs> we can cover all of that in this um in this episode. But really it comes down to what I said at the beginning of the episode of deciding, because I think so often. We just never make the decision to get out of our own way and stop self-sabotaging because we get to this set point of uncomfortably comfortable. And actually another book recommendation. Can you tell I read a lot of books? Um, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks talks about this a lot about a set point. And the analogy that he uses that has always stuck with me is um, it's kind of gross to think about, but (laughs) if you put fleas in a jar. So fleas can jump like a sounding, like, I don't know, 17 times their little weight or whatever. So like feet. Anyway, if you stick them in a jar, they're going to jump out. But then if you stick them in a jar and put a lid on, they're going to start hitting their little heads on the lid. And then pretty soon they're actually going to start adjusting their height. So they don't do that. So then you take the lid off and they don't jump out of the can. So obviously this is an antidote that. Is told in the book, and I don't know if it's true, but it, it makes a good analogy of so often we do that to ourselves where we hit that glass ceiling that we want to break through. And instead of enduring the pain and discomfort that comes with change and doing something different, because our brain, back to neuroscience, our brain is just trying to keep us safe. And essentially anything outside of the norm is that saying, danger, 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 you're going to die. So instead of busting through that glass ceiling, we start limiting ourselves because we don't want to feel that pain and discomfort. And that comes back to, you know, understanding what I said earlier about really understanding yourself. So for me, I happen to be a stick person. So what that means is I'm motivated by pain, but there are people who are motivated by pleasure and those are carrot people. If you have different people like that in your life, you should know. And also on your team because they're motivated in different ways. And so when you think about getting out of your own way, it just comes back to deciding because it comes deciding comes from a Greek word that means to sever. And that's the difference between a decision and a choice, a choice. There's still like room to, to change your mind, but a decision is literally saying, no, like I am no longer going to do this. I am deciding to do something differently. And when you make that mindset shift and you say no more, I'm going in a different direction. That's when you start getting out of your own way and stop self-sabotaging because that decision is what realigns a whole bunch of other things that probably were holding you back.
0: Oh, <laughs> I yeah, you're a hundred percent right. It's yeah, you're right. I <laughs> I don't know what else to say because I I think it's those self limiting beliefs that can keep us small. Or there are some people in our lives that can keep us small too. They get into our heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's like that decision. Like we're the only ones that can decide. Like. The only thing we can control is ourselves. Yep. How we react. I had to, and how we operate through the world. So it's like with confidence, it's like, yeah, I think a lot of us are in our own way, but we don't want to take a look at ourselves and get out of the way. We're just like, yeah, we're, like you said, being uncomfortably comfortable. Or com- yeah. Comfortably uncomfortable. <laughs> Uncomfortably
1: comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's also the last thing I'll say about confidence is, well, maybe not the last thing, but the I want to say this point. I think somewhere along the way, we started believing that you're either born with confidence or you're not, but that's not true. Confidence is a muscle that you build. Like, sure. There are people that are naturally more confident but just because you maybe are less confident doesn't mean you can't get there. You just have to be intentional about doing things that build your confidence. And it's sometimes you could do something big and, you know, go win an award, but sometimes it's just something small, like talking to a stranger at a coffee shop or, you know, just like, this is going to sound so funny, but as a elder millennial. I used to call myself a geriatric millennial, which apparently didn't sound great. So I'm an elder millennial. I don't love social media. I really don't. And so something that's building my confidence is posting reels or like figuring things out. And it seems so little probably to somebody who's a content creator and an influencer, but for me, it's like a little step every day of building my confidence. And so I don't think it has to be. In fact, I will say it should not be all or nothing with confidence. You can go back to that 1% that you said you can have 1% more confidence every single day when you are intentional about it. Oh man.
0: I love this conversation so much. (laughs) I could literally talk, listen to you talk all day long. Uh, Oh, thank you. (laughs) I just like, I like, Everything you said was so powerful and intentional and I can't believe that we're already at time. <laughs> so oh, yeah, you know, like the hour has passed by very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um so I and I'm sure a lot of my listeners are feeling the same way. Like I wanted her to keep talking. <laughs> but, y'all, she does have a podcast and think, the yeah. episodes that you mentioned, I will link in this. Sh- Show notes, and then also a link to your podcast in the show notes as well. So you can definitely go check her out there. But I did, as much as I hate to do this, I want we need to wrap it up because we're we've been talking for a while, yeah. But I and I think that was a perfect ending to our conversation and talking about confidence because I think that's like that's where a lot of things lie for women, especially is like. Realizing that it's not something you're born with, mm-hmm. it's a muscle. Yep, so, absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely love that. Song. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. And yes, as you said, if you want to hear more from me, my podcast because I'm already in your ears, hop on over. It's called The Biz Doctor. It's available on all the podcast platforms. So be sure to subscribe so you can get our latest episode. And if you're a business owner looking to get out from underneath your business, you can always learn more about the work that we do at goldenkeypartnership.com.
0: Yeah. Well, and um, where can people find you on Instagram since you're posting reels?
1: Oh, yes. On Instagram. My handle is it's Lauren Goldstein. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um and Facebook, I'm on all the things, but we're getting a little more active on Instagram.
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay, great. Well, I'll have that all linked in the show notes. You literally knew the question I was going to ask before I even asked asked it. So, <laughs> and it's uh, I I think from podcast to podcast host, we know what people are going to ask. So, yeah. so thank you for sharing where people can find you and work with you. I'm really excited to share this episode with my listeners. And I can't, I, I I just can't believe that I got to talk to you. I feel like this is like a dream interview and conversation and I'm, I'm
1: taking so much away from this. So
0: thank you, Lauren.
1: Um, Oh my gosh. You're so sweet. It was such an honor. And I really, I love doing these interviews because mental health is such a passion of mine. So if I can do just that 1% to help somebody or share a nugget that they can take with them and help them make a bigger impact in the world. I'm, I'm happy. So thank you so much for having me and asking such great questions. It was, it was a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Well, I think that speaks volumes to who you are and just keep doing what you're doing and helping, business owners and all the things. So, <laughs> uh, and thanks so much everyone for listening. If you love this episode, please share it. And if you want to hear from more incredible guests, just like Lauren, please take a few minutes to rate this podcast, write a review and subscribe, and I'll see you in the next one.